Hi and welcome to another episode of Dumb Dive. I'm Pranav. I'm Arvind. Well, I thought we'd start off with going down uh, memory lane for a bit and uh, bringing out a bit of my my boomer side when I talk about how they don't make uh, things like they used to. Uh, by things, I'm referring to cartoons here, the the shows that we grew up with, and how modern cartoons they they seem to not be perceived in the same light as older shows and i just kind of wanted to talk about that um i mean before like, we get further into it yeah. were you more of a were you a nickelodeon or a cartoon network or a disney channel type of kid i was definitely a cartoon network kid i i don't think so spongebob wasn't really in my repertoire while growing up uh, mainly because i watched most of the most of the stuff on cartoon network rather than nickelodeon i think again it was because um like a lot of my formative viewing was done in Cairo where the Nickelodeon programming wasn't that great but Cartoon Network programming was really good uh so like a lot of the shows that maybe some of um, some of the kids our age would have watched on Nickelodeon and uh, on Disney in India i just didn't see them when i was in Cairo so i just didn't have the exposure to this, uh, to such shows yeah what what about you were you Disney or Nickelodeon Oh I was definitely Nickelodeon like because so the one thing about Nickelodeon was that like they hit their peak I would say a little bit before most people our age were watching cartoons because they were definitely much stronger in like the late 90s early 2000s like when we were just starting to get into it like a lot right. of the classic Nickelodeon cartoons and like kids early teens shows were made around that time and mm-hmm. I only got into it because I have an older sibling like 7 years older than me So uh, I got exposed to a lot of those shows uh when most people my age weren't watching figure it out or rocko's modern uh, life or you know those kind of shows like nickelodeon definitely had a really bizarre repertoire of shows for like the late mm-hmm. 90s uh, I've actually never heard of those shows there's also like like rocket power rocket thunder something like that about like these guys who go like I think rocket surfing. thunder I've heard of Yeah, 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 yeah. Surfing or skateboarding around town. And hey, Arnold was classic with like the yeah, hey, Arnold's a head classic. shaped like a shaped like yeah. an American football. Yeah. <laughs> was Rugrats also a Nickelodeon thing? I think it was. I believe right? so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rugrats, Wild Wild Thornberries. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of those IPs which are like they're like iconic memes, but I don't think they were around. Um, at least. in india they weren't like as big as the cartoon network shows and even in cairo yeah. like amongst my peers i don't think anyone cared about those shows when compared to the programming on cw on cn yeah i th- i think it was also like it, it was very american and very mm-hmm. very weird uh, a lot of those shows like uh, like those that are sometimes monsters or are something monsters i forgot what the actual name is and mm. like cat dog which was just like like weird to the oh, yeah. point of being like very creepy like there was something almost i i don't know how to put it better but like almost revolting about the the art style like mm. it was intentionally kind of bothersome the, yeah. the the scenes were kind of nasty the characters were just running around in muck you know if you see a lot of the british cart- cartoons or something like they they meant to be all like cutesy and nice and this yeah. was going the complete opposite crackhead spirit <laughs> i mean maybe but i mean 
I I'd say shows like that. Uh, I mean, you can contrast them to other shows that sh- that came on um, Cartoon Network, like uh, Codename Kid Next Kids Next Door, Ed Ed and Eddie, um, uh, yeah, the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. For sure. Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. You know, there's like a bunch of shows that were focused on, you know, showing like like obviously they were incredibly zany and funny and off the wall. Yeah. but there were there were scenes of like really disgusting uh things like there was an episode of um kids next door that focused on dentistry being evil and kids overthrowing dentistry and by the end of it all of them were like they they were having cavities and like it zoomed in on how bad their teeth were and so on there, there's like one episode that i distinctly remember and then uh Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy had tons of gross out humor. Yeah. Like it was it was a lot of toilet humor and snot and that kind of stuff and it was just like okay I mean this is yuck. But you know I just found it really funny at that time and I still do I think. Exactly. I still find episodes of the show really funny. Um so I don't know if like the 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 weirdness or gross out factor really played a role as much as the the trickle down thing of Cartoon Network genuinely just being so much more popular amongst our generation mm, I, sure. i mean i'm not sure why though like that that honestly like that kind of like escapes my kind of like understanding of why cartoon network became so big specific specifically in especially that era of cartoons why like they they're so entrenched in our memory and our parents memory as well yeah um i mean like yeah. like like they really just had a very good and very diverse collection of yeah cartoons that would sort of appeal to there, there was like something for every kid uh you know like and most you, of the shows that were for you know most of the shows could be watched with your parents pretty happily like i know exactly mom and dad right. sat with me for episodes of um, the grim adventures of billy and mandy and even though it was really disgusting like my mom has the humor sense of a 12 year old so she found it hilarious um my dad didn't uh, but but he <laughs> he loved like johnny bravo and like some of the more classic shows that kept exactly there's ahead. something for everyone there like it's right. like like johnny bravo really had like i don't know it had it had the humor of a 35 year old you know what i mean yeah. like, <laughs> it's like it had it very was... uh, facebook boomer humor as I exactly it. like now it is but at that point yeah, exactly but like it's just so mm. uh I have no idea why I think it it, it, it was it was, was really like... interesting. I I think Johnny Bravo honestly felt super interesting like now that I look back at it because it was incredibly chauvinistic and meatheady and frat boy like yeah. kind of it it had that vibe but it was never glorifying it like it was explicitly talking about how dumb Johnny and like how how stupid how like actually like idiotic you'd have to be to live a life like Johnny Bravo. like it it was completely satirizing that entire um jock you know meathead kind of lifestyle and i don't know i i thought it was very effective because like the the butt of the joke always was the johnny bravo was a chauvinist that he was a misogynist he didn't view women as anything but objects and they always kicked his ass for it yeah yeah, yeah exactly and like it, it was, came it, off it like was, that but it's also like like depending on like where you are coming from as a yeah. viewer you're just like why make a show about yeah. this but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i thought it was incredibly um in, or, or 
interestingly subversive maybe not incredibly but definitely interestingly subversive at that time yeah and i think that comes to like show the the general mind space where a lot of these cartoons were made from mm-hmm. that is at least compared to the shows the that are aired in india right now i feel yeah. like those cartoons sort of respected the intelligence of the viewers even if they are like let's say 8 to 14 year olds they sort of respected yeah, yeah. that like they don't really need to dumb things down mm. that the kids like as long as it's not like uh like insanely like inappropriate age inappropriate yeah. or like yeah. uh like super uh, like w- whatever like like gory or something like that as long mm-hmm. as it's not like that and like they can make intelligent humor they can make like do uh, like justice with sarcasm and like irony and like not yeah. having to have you know a clear message of the story or like a moral at the end like make sure you share with your friends otherwise whatever like yeah. that's going to yeah. help you out yeah uh, <laughs> which is the sort of vibe that a lot of uh, cartoons that are coming out from india and being shown in india right now seem yeah, to carry yeah they feel very moralistic yeah yeah and like it comes from a place i think where they're not able to respect the intelligence of the children uh, where yeah. you feel, like you, as an adult you're like trying to like overly dumb things down because you don't realize that the kids would be able to pick up on the sarcasm mm-hmm. uh too scared of having like say a violent scene where dexter and his giant robot wreak havoc across the city because you think yeah. that that will make kids want to do the same when yeah. in fact they just like they just find that amusing they're not going to like mm. go around smashing public property uh, because dexter did it on the cartoon or something like that yeah i think it's very much you're right it's like handling them with kid gloves like the saying goes you know treating them very fragilely not like I don't think a lot of modern shows at least that come out of India have given kids the kind of emotional intelligence and like situational awareness that kids have yeah. or at least neurotypical kids I I mean yeah I I want to say that but like for the most part kids have to learn from their surroundings they have to like pick up on social cues and that's how like you build relationships when you're young it's it's why like It's why there's tons of psychology studies showing that if you come from a broken family or if your parents have um dysfunctional social habits like your parents are compulsive liars and so on there's a very high chance that you may repeat these kind of behavioral patterns as an adult because it's what you learned and it's a, it's the schema for social interaction that kind of got baked into you when you were really young of course i mean it's not a guarantee but these things happen um so so when i i think at least back in the day you know back in our day a lot of shows they weren't really treating kids with kid gloves like of course they were catering to them yep. but catering to an audience and you know pandering to them and you know treating them delicately is a completely different issue like there were some episodes of um, cartoons that i remember were like like they were insanely stark and very very dark in their content like um that episode of pop of girls with the mutant sister that I was i don't remember this but i'm just going to think of the entire show of courage the cowardly dog yeah 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 i was going to bring up courage after the pop of girls example but like yeah there's there's a uh, samurai jack as well which starts off with 
<laughs> with literal like literally his entire family dying and everything mm-hmm. but samurai jack was an amazing kid show because great, yeah. yeah i have very fond memories of that show yeah it it was it was great it was so unique and you know like it had a very clear artistic style the dialogue was so clever because a lot of the a lot of the show relied on silence and framing and action to tell the story rather than like actually talking like the dialogue was very secondary to everything else they had i think they developed the template um in many senses for like the really charismatic and funny kind of villain who's still yes. just super menacing like he's really funny he's got a great sense of humor but you know like aku will ruin the world just because he's that evil and that powerful yeah that was like one of the shows where almost everyone's favorite character would be aku yeah yeah like it it brought up like i think it made kids kind of fall into that thing of like oh villains can be really funny they don't need to be dark and like you know they don't need to be the traditional way we see them in movies they can be incredibly funny and charismatic they can be incredibly personable and you still know you have to find them threatening yeah it's 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 why i think um like to bring up a more modern example of like a villain that way while while thanos in infinity war isn't really like funny in any way mm-hmm. he's still very charismatic and um, like personable in in exactly. in many ways which like is why you sort of understand a, like the yeah. like the motivation of his actions come out clear, yeah. clearly like it's yeah, not a yeah. one dimensional i am evil so i will destroy half the world type thing yeah 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 exactly it's like a multifaceted kind of character um and that's why he's so threatening as a villain because you understand that he's multifaceted and this is all just in service of his goal while aku may not traditionally have been multifaceted you know like he's an evil demon bent on destroying the world kind of thing he he gave that thing of like even if you're evil that doesn't need to be your core personality trait like there are ways in which that can be made into like a multifaceted thing even if you are supremely evil it, you can you can be like shown to be very different from other supremely evil villains like there was there was that there was like the the, the original teen titans uh, show mm-hmm. which was phenomenal there was like a bunch of uh, shows that came out when we were growing up that were all that were a lot of them which is really good i think even the most mediocre ones like um, a show like megas xlr nothing special but it was so much fun because it was it was like every 8 year old 10 year old kid's dream like oh shit what if we came into possession of an intergalactic space robot meant for war and we transformed it into like a gamer hangout you know it 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 fulfilled like those kind of power fantasies or those kind of like daydreams that we had it was really fun um but i think the way like i mean when you contrast them to like more modern shows like like coming out of india there's like chota bheem and roll number 21 which i think are yeah the biggest offenders of like really dumbing down um storytelling and like character plots and development for kids because oh. i mean they 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 draw from indian mythology i think that's that's um, that's something we have to clear up like they they draw from the story of uh, bheem from the pandavas in the case of chota bheem yeah. and from the mahabharat and um, in the case of uh, roll number 21 it's the myth of krishna 
you know and both of the both of these are kind of reimagined and retold with different characters or in a different setting but i mean i don't know i i tried watching them as like as not part of the target demographic as as someone who was older like i think i started i watched those i watched those shows when i was like 15 16 kind of thing mm-hmm. um yeah when my cousin when one of my younger cousins got into cartoon watching age and i was just so sad when i was watching this cuz i was like dude like these things when like when my grandma was telling me these stories about bhim and krishna like you know just retelling it that was so much more entertaining than watching it as a cartoon and like i think there's something critically wrong if you know um, a bedtime story told by your grandma who doesn't remember half the details is more entertaining than an animated episode that pe- that like a whole team of people have put work into yeah i i don't want to like say that one is necessarily better than the other because there is a le- different level of intimacy or whatever but like i just think that yeah clearly like these cartoons a cartoon about these mythological stories doesn't have to be this one dimensional this yeah direct about no. everything and sort of like have uh, like it can be more interesting have more depth yeah, to yeah. the stories have more like better interactions between the characters because i've also seen uh, seen a, a few of these uh, like chota beam shows and yeah. stuff and it's just like it just feels so diluted it feels like it even, even the animation even, style you know like yeah. even the animation style doesn't feel like it's it's like i i don't want to say high effort or like it doesn't feel yeah. like you know there was a lot of effort put into it and that's not taking away from the fact that there was a team of people who worked on it but it very much felt like they were rushing a product rather than telling a story yes like like they, there's like a very key difference you can you can see and like like here in in how the stories pan out and at least in chota wing and roll number 21 and again like i'm nitpicking on these because i am familiar with these stories i'm familiar with the mythology cuz i grew up hearing a lot of them and like reading them in my own time and like we have a treasure trove of actually child friendly stories all the all the antics of krishna as a kid the the things the pandavas did when they were younger like all the growing up stuff a lot of the amar chitrakatha comics yeah exactly let's Red be World fair World. a lot of these stories like we have probably thousands i don't even know how many amachitrakatha uh, comics there are but yeah, there's like a lot everything. of them and they are also written for pretty much the, the same target age group yeah. and demographic so yeah, it's like yeah, exactly if if the 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 animated cartoons can't achieve at least that level of depth when they can actually go a lot further in the types of stories yeah. and and interactions and amount of uh, dialogue that is present because like in a 30 40 page comic book they, there is a limit to how much the comic authors can do for a chitrakatha but yeah, like yeah. when you're having multiple 20 minute episodes they can explore so stories a, lo- a lot more which is why we're sort of upset that yeah this is we've with this is halted, where it stands yeah halted the sort of like development yeah. of those cartoons at this point when we know that there is a lot of artistic talent here that are capable of yeah. making like very very interesting uh, animation and cartoon experience because you see a lot 
happening on the indie art side but very mm-hmm. little things of very high quality coming out and from even, like the bigger studios i mean even if we look at like you know bigger projects and more mainstream projects it's very clear that we have the the art and like the kind of intelligence to do that because of the the ramayan movie that came out that was made in collaboration with japan um as an yeah. indo-japanese cultural exchange thing there was like an anime version of uh, ramayana that was released and hands down it's so it's so good even today like the art style is gorgeous the story is like really well told like very faithful to the epic where it has to be while still taking some creative liberties and depicting things the the character designs the weapons the 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 way the action is drawn is also just like super super fulfilling and it tells a story without losing a lot of the the nuance the key story beats that are there in in the original you know retelling for kids like the amar chitrakatha retellings like it, it was just an insanely good movie and like very clearly the talent is there and like the people who have this kind of storytelling ability are there in the industry and i don't know it it's just kind of sad because i i think while we focused on indian cartoons there is a similar trend even in like um american or western uh, cartoon trends where um you know reimaginings of the pop of girls in the current millennia like that that released what 3 4 years ago and there was a huge stink about it because the storytelling the storytelling the the kind of character writing the dialogue none of it was up to par with the original which like i said had it was incredibly bright and cheerful and cute but it also contrasted it with very real storytelling and some of the darkest episodes i've seen in children's cartoons like that entire episode about the the mutant sister was it was heartbreakingly sad while 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 still being completely acceptable for a kid to watch because nothing went out of bounds yep. like it was never like inappropriately bad it was just like some of the stuff happens in real life and cartoons are a a great way to like i won't say train but like they're a great way to like expose your kid to like emotional difficulties or like social problems um you know a lot of these things that you don't want them to face in reality but they need to be made aware of these things like okay this kind of stuff can happen like um you can be bullied or made fun of or ostracized from from your friends and you don't want that to happen but it can happen and cartoons are a great way to show how to deal with that to like emotionally um open up your kid to these experiences mm-hmm. and you know harden them in some ways or make them more adaptable in in many ways like or even just card- empathetic because maybe yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, the that's, friends that's around the, them the, that might be going through something similar like at first right. they might not understand everything but if they mm-hmm. see a lot of the similar indicators that they might have seen in one of the cartoons it might be they might be able to like put put two and two together and try yeah. to understand what's going on at a deeper yeah, level yeah. than if they have never seen uh indicators of bullying or yeah and what it does to the the recipient and so like maybe they might not realize like how much harm they might be causing to their friends if they were oh, absolutely uh, to do such behavior no absolutely you're right it's it's empathy it's like that that kind of that's that's what i was trying to get at yeah um but also i mean it's also the fact that like kids are so imaginative like when you were younger i'm sure like 
there are there are n number of stories you would have told your parents based on like these cartoons and they're just like wild wild concoctions that like as an adult like i think back to some of the stuff my parents told me i was telling a stories when i was younger and i'm like how did i even come up with that how did i even think of these things and you know cartoons being like like a lot of these older cartoons really like challenged my imagination as a kid like they forced me to like try and like keep track of these things rather than laying it all out to like all out in front of me and like laying it to bed saying oh here you know here's the storyline here's everything going on like a lot of it was hidden between episodes a lot of it was hidden in certain interactions a lot of it wasn't like made explicit like we weren't talked down to and we were like challenged and made to really think and it's 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 why i think a lot of those cartoons were so successful and have remained in our cultural kind of consciousness for so long as a generation and even for our parents like my parents still remember a lot of the cartoons they watched with us mm. i i mean there's a reason these cartoons have had such an impact it's because they a lot of the writers and and creators tried to make lasting pieces of work that while they were targeted at kids they could be consumed by any age and they'd have something in there and it's why some of the older disney movies do better than some of the newer ones and that's not to say disney's like quality has gone down or anything i don't want to step on any toes here <laughs> and again like modern pixar movies are okay, still okay maybe one phenomenal. where we can uh, like say that more um, safely is with like studio ghibli because i haven't watched many studio ghibli's um movies i've only seen like the two big ones so i mean i'll i i can leave that discussion your side because like i don't know enough about the modern I mean, uh, but ghibli it's the same movies. thing so it's just like those movies a lot of the the mm. famous like ghibli movies came yeah, like, yeah. 20 30 years ago uh yeah a lot of hand drawn extremely intricate like 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 the art and animation like there's a lot of effort that has gone into imagining these like extremely uh like creative and unique characters and environments and yeah the animation is always like has been extremely on point like especially in those early few uh, movies yeah yeah and like more and, than okay and, and all of exactly. that exactly and so the thing is it's not just the the visual art style it's also goes uh, combines well with very good writing of of like mm-hmm. the character interaction of the stories a lot of them deal with extreme uh like a lot of very very sad stories uh but they are meant for kids and they are written in in a way where where you really empathize with the characters and really learn it has like mm-hmm. that childhood in, uh, innocence type of uh, uh okay okay a- approach to storytelling that is deeply embedded in the in the mm-hmm. entire uh like universes that they build that makes it a lot more Uh, approachable and palatable and memorable uh, like yeah. with a lot of those like say lion king type disney movies right? yeah yeah like that's that's what i was going into um because the modern crop of disney movies seems to be retellings of the older ones but with hollywood actors like the lion king remake the aladdin remake the cinderella remake all of these things yeah. and i think by trying to do these things in in real life or with real actors they draw away from the the essence of why those old movies were so so important culturally 
and it's because like they had that childhood innocence of storytelling like you said like the the it's lots of bright bold song and dance incredible optimism but like they still like show the realities of you know like of life like in the lion king mufasa's death was one of the first times i remembered feeling genuinely sad while watching a movie like i cried while watching lion king the first time because it's like oh my god like this happened in a movie like i thought this was supposed to be a safe space but clearly not and and you see the rest of the movie is like, like dealing like, with that like even if it was like uh, uh, like i think in mind but like the first time you like feel that amount of sadness for a movie you really come out like appreciating the movie a lot like yeah, yeah. enjoying that experience especially after like looking back upon it as like because it moved yeah. you that much it really brought you into that universe yeah right. yeah yeah and and i think another big part of why i appreciate lion king and similar movies so much is because like i mean i'm going to talk a bit more about lion king specifically because we brought it up as an example but like the movie is explicitly about dealing with that loss like the rest of the movie is simba coming to terms with the fact that his father died because of a mistake he made mm-hmm. and while it's not directly by his hands he feels like he has responsibility for that and you know the rest of the movie is him coming to terms with that coming to terms with the fact that he has a duty and all of those things and you know like it makes the journey of the character so much more impactful in storytelling terms yeah um similarly with aladdin you know like it's a gorgeous movie and it's him realizing he has the capability to to be everything that he dreamt of he has all the qualities to be a leader and it's it's like the movie has like a very very deserved payoff at the end just because we we spend the entire movie like learning about this character through song and dance through all these very very imaginative and creative um modes of animation and i don't see that in the live action remakes at all like i watched the lion king remake in the in the theaters and i'm like oh my god this is this is actually just a little sad like there's nothing enjoyable about this i'll be None honest the... i didn't watch either the lion king or the aladdin remake i just didn't like i i, mean, I, heard, I went i, waited I went until... to theaters yeah some people went and saw like gave some uh... reviews and like when everyone was like eh I was just like it's not worth. I mean, for me it was just it was heartbreakingly sad because the only thing they got right were Timon and Pumbaa which I think I mean while while they're so integral to the story I think Timon and Pumbaa are probably the easiest characters to get right in Lion King. Cuz you need two empathetic but not very socially intelligent um stoners basically <laughs> and you've got Timon and Pumbaa like that's basically it you get two funny guys who are really nice but they kind of don't pick up on situations that well and that's basically and, a description of everyone now yeah i i don't know man like they felt like such interesting unique characters in the first lion king movie and i don't know if it's because of the interplay with the rest of the script the rest of the characters but like like there was so much missing from the original uh, from the remake in the lion king like so much of the heart was missing mm. and i don't know it it just didn't feel good watching it you know how there are some movies where you walk out and you're like you know all all the like all the tiny elements were there but like they've missed out on some of the really big elements but you can't put your finger on why and what 
those big elements are you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's how, sure. that's how i felt while walking out of lion king like yeah the musical numbers are kind of there not entirely um the visual spectacle is kind of there not entirely like so many things that were done in the animation just can't be replicated in in live action and it yeah. felt like these people didn't realize that until the end of the filming until like they put everything together and realize oh wait a lot of this doesn't come together as well as we'd hoped like we forgot to add salt while boiling boiling the broth and it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh i don't know like 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 again i know i'm hopping on about the original lion king but there there's just so many iconic scenes that really draw on why this this topic of like old versus new has been brought about like you remember the iconic um, be prepared song right yeah like beautifully like in the original animation incredibly lit you have jeremy irons with his with his deep commanding voice and like really silky delivery like he sounds like a villain right and then you have the hyenas interjecting you have all these scenes of like really morbid dark humor of like the hyenas playing around in bones and then like there's this incredibly um vivid image of all the hyenas walking like marching in rank and file across um or, or like underneath scar as he like presides over them yeah and it's 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 this incredibly poignant um scene because i think this is like an interview i saw and i might be misremembering it but that's like the that's the brand of the show at this point <laughs> but i i think i'm misremembering it but um the the creator who kind of came up with that idea said he was inspired by watching videos of nazis walk past hitler oh because that's that's the that's the energy he wanted like that's the kind of thing he wanted to portray mm uh with that marching and you can see like it it's very like it is very reminiscent of those kind of displays right. and and i was like that's such a dark place to draw from for like a disney animated kids movie but it works so well in service of the story and it feels like it doesn't feel like a hollow inspiration it feels like there's a reason that that scene was kind of like inspired by or referenced to um in, in you know like that's it's why they re- they referred to um a lot of those nazi march pasts and stuff yeah because I, they wanted to show that kind of power and like the kind of um violence that and the other scar thing is that like, when you aren't working with like photorealistic like mm. uh, like uh animations that look exactly yeah, yeah. like the real life you have yeah. the capacity to make artistic decisions like that that can yeah. add a lot of flavor to the scene yeah which is why like again i went to see the live action hoping it would be decent and i came out of it like just hollow inside because i was like they lost so much of what made the original lion king so incredibly memorable for us like the the entire remember who you are you know you are my son kind of scene where simba sees the ghost of mufasa in the sky man the animation in that is breathtaking even by today's standards and in the live action like the cgi is great but there's no impact it doesn't feel as powerful and as like holy shit he's remembering where he's from he's remembering his roots he's realizing he has to live up to his father's name kind of thing yeah. 
you don't have that same impact in the live action and it made me like genuinely a little sad i was like oh god <laughs> what's happening yeah i mean and and i don't know like like same thing with the the modern pop of girls thing like the original pop of girls was like i i think i've already like sung enough praises about it but it was so funny so well written incredibly cute but very real very dark when it had to be because it was dealing with three kids who were given incredible power by a mishap and they're learning to deal with it they're learning to like control their power but the the modern retelling from all the episodes i've seen and you know the the various people who've talked about it critically i mean i don't know it doesn't capture that same essence of like like understanding what it means to come of age like it seems to be just pandering to modern trends following modern jokes you know making like there was like one which was like the characters did like a, a viral tiktok dance in an episode i was just going to ask like did they dab i think there was a thing where they dabbed there actually was an episode where they dabbed i think so i feel Again. like what we have what we've hit like tying into what we spoke about last episode is like this is like the 24 hour news cycle of of cartoon and media almost it's, almost it's just like the only focus is on constant output from like the studios mm-hmm. so that like the streaming services always have something new like uh, on the recommendation uh, page yeah and like we're probably watching more hours of tv and like shows than before uh, so it's probably yeah. just like like they've given up on like spending the time on making like truly great content when they can have like they can make a 6 on 10 or a 7 by 10 and have people watch it and get the but then but then a lot of those older shows were also like weekly episodes you know it's not like they weren't releasing constant content <laughs> they were working on the same schedule as the newer shows i think i think um but like, like a lot like, of the shows i think we overestimate how many episodes there were when like there would be like say i don't know 20 40 episodes of a show and we just like rewatched a bunch of them so many times we didn't realize that that's all there were i mean possibly but then there were new ips that were equally in, equally entertaining like ben 10 came out towards the end of my life cycle of watching cartoons and i still loved it even though it was a brand new ip and it went on for a while and i remember watching most of ben 10 until like they they changed it to like the newer version which i don't like like i watched uh, the original one i watched ben 10 unlimited and like you know when when he's a teenager and everything and i just haven't watched the newer reboot because it did not look entertaining to me well there's uh, one more thing that we should probably get into and that's like how cartoons like the whole youtube ecosystem of cartoons right now why like like how that's become like a major way how kids are consuming content yeah. Oh, uh, are you talking about like the the billion surprise toys kind of side of YouTube cartoons or oh my god like all of it like yeah. so there's that there's like those uh you know like the Thanos yeah, dance yeah 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 channels yeah, yeah. uh that just like take one animation of like a really dumb dance and then just like make the exact same video with like different yeah characters doing the dance and then 
upload it onto a youtube kids account and just rake in like literal yeah, billion, yeah. like hundreds of millions of views maybe yeah. even billions sometimes like it's insane how low effort low quality content like that that's just been made at such a high rate with low mm-hmm. effort can like lead to good like like I mean, very good, good income uh, revenue yeah. for them yeah exactly because of the way that like a toddler or a little kid would be watching youtube because like a parent would just show the phone or a tablet or something in front of their face to keep them quiet something right? on yeah. and then auto yeah and autoplay would just like have it go on to like different similar videos and some of these channels have mastered the the youtube algorithm and like how to get their video to show up uh, on the feed yeah. so it like shows up on these autoplays and they just like No absolutely and I think this ties into what I was asking earlier about how YouTube has changed um modern cartoon programming because like you said so much of it is just bottom bottom of the barrel reductionist you know like really just terrible content for, by by any metric and yet it's so successful and I think I think a lot of a lot of modern cartoons are like struggling to keep up with that level of like content as you as I mean as we can call it that like that that kind of frequent rapid output of content like it's really difficult for anyone to keep up with um and and so yeah because like I feel like the a problem also comes from the fact that a lot of parents of children are looking at cartoons more as a distraction to keep keep the kids engaged mentally yeah. and like visually with so that they're not getting into other forms of mischief or activity that the parents don't want them to get yeah into. rather than like rather than uh, what i think our parents looked at it as as like okay you watch cartoons the same way you watch movies there's like a few of them you can watch but other than that you read yeah you're watching for like a story and characters and seeing yeah, what yeah, they exactly. do and like keeping track of what's going on i think on. I, i think at our time it was like parents like i won't say regimented but they kind of limited how much tv how much like video games and stuff you would play and it wasn't yeah. like strict limits for i think any of us but it was more like okay you get to watch like these few shows and the rest of the time you read you do something more productive with your time like you 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 yeah. you find a hobby you go out and play with your friends you like actually spend time outside of the house for a while so the cartoons yeah don't watch after this yeah, time exactly, exactly. or like beyond this duration uh, don't watch while yeah. eating stuff like that like like some sort of like basic ground rules just so that we we learn to exercise control yeah. and but like, that also made us more active of consumers of this content like it wasn't like we were watching it just as a distraction like we want we were invested in like the few shows we watched whereas now i think exactly. with youtube and like with with streaming in general it like people people are just like they have so much more access to the content that these rules they can't be enforced as easily anymore kids will just find a way to watch these things on their own so parents just kind of give an ipad and let the ipad parent the kids for a while and again this this isn't all parents this is like but it it's it's a common trend we're seeing especially with um, there was a scandal that broke out i think uh 3 or 4 years ago like 2018ish um called um, elsa gate i don't know if you heard about it yeah so elsa elsa gate was basically this this huge scandal that happened on youtube where 
there were loads of these um, kids channels, like, like YouTube kids channels, that were putting up content targeted and aimed explicitly at kids. But these things were grossly inappropriate, like talking about miscarriages, um, sexual situations, and like genuinely things you don't want in a kid's show, even if it's like couched to be appropriate for kids. That's where I think a lot of, um, like when I say a lot of cartoons we watched while growing up were dark, none of them were dark regarding like things that were inappropriate for a kid to witness. It's it's just they dealt with darker subjects like ostracization and losing a loved one, grief, loss, you know, like anger, h- how these things affect you and affect your social relations. But there was nothing that was inappropriate for a kid to watch in the cartoons that we watched while growing up. Whereas a lot of these kids' channels, because they're churning out content so quickly, there's no quality control that happens. The the algorithm and the, the bots that kind of scour content aren't able to recognize that these things are inappropriate for kids. And so they... Yeah, I think the other difference also is the fact that we watched shows on yeah. TV which is really like strictly manually vetted yeah. for content and basically like like it, it is curated content yeah. right it's moderated um, yeah by several hundreds of levels of people going through it it's the cartoon studios it's the like the channel itself and then within india like the local sensor board uh, and stuff tv yeah. broadcasting uh, thing the sensor board all of that there's like several layers that need to be passed before. whereas with with youtube it's just an upload and you know you just wait a few hours to see whether your thing is monetized or not depending on the algorithms and whoever moderates your content exactly it's it's not manually mm. done and like uh that the fact that it is all bot driven means that people figured out that if you had certain like like if your video dealt with certain content like it had characters who dressed up like popular uh, cartoon or like movie characters like Elsa mm. did not have language that had like expletives or something it like would that, most likely go through the right. the exactly YouTube would would like allow that through into YouTube Kids which is basically like the section of YouTube for yeah. uh, for kids and like toddlers and stuff and would just recommend those videos over and over again to to several kids uh, like around yeah, the Yeah, I think uh, that that I think is like the main problem and the difference between like the TV mm. viewing that we had and this algorithm forward yeah. automated delivery anytime uh, content that we had. Yeah, and I think like it's it's why I think modern cartoons are finding it so difficult to maintain that level of quality that they had when we were younger, because you know you have to deal with um you know YouTube and even TikTok and you know Instagram, like kids get on these platforms and they have so much content that they peruse, a lot of which I don't think is very child friendly or child appropriate content, even if it's marketed towards kids, hmm. and. Like, like, how do you, how do you deal? Like, how does, how does a studio deal with competing with, like, so many hours of content being uploaded? You know, like, isn't there a statistic that for every, like, every minute, there's, like, a thousand hours of footage uploaded to YouTube or something like that? Like, every minute that passes, there's a... Somewhere on that ballpark, like, let's say, even if it's not exactly the same, if we were to aggregate the various platforms that we yeah. have like both paid and there's, free there's no way youtube and twitch 
and like all the uh, paid yeah. subscriptions that we have access to these days like you have netflix disney and hulu and everything like a billion others yeah like there's there's no way you can keep up with just the, the number of hours of content being produced so how do you how do you churn con- content out reliably while still keeping it at a very capped level of storytelling and you know like like having that quality just consistently throughout your episodes and i i don't know i think i think it can be done because we see it in anime i think anime is where like there's been a huge growth in the themes and like the kind of storytelling um you know that that shonen anime because that's kind of marketed towards the same demographic as cartoons which is young boys kind of thing yeah. um like shonen anime has has i won't say a renaissance but it's gone through like a huge amount of growth where you know a lot of modern shonen anime like jujutsu kaisen and so on they are both visually more striking while also like either reappropriating the tropes in a very new refreshing way that even like even kids realize oh this is different this is new either that or they they approach storytelling in a completely different way like like full metal alchemist is a very quintessential shonen anime and i think it's like a grandfather of that 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 see, that that genre because it's one of the it's not that no no i'm not saying old i'm saying it's like one of those um it's one of like the first wave of shonen anime that really hit it big um in the western world like like naruto and that kind of stuff it gained a huge following and that was because it did storytelling so differently than the anime that came before it like dragon ball z uh i'm i'm talking very specifically about shonen anime i'm not going to go into stuff that's aimed more at adults this is very much like teen yeah, audience kind of i think i think there there uh, like when you bring that up there also has been a sort of cultural sort of yeah. shift where shonen anime like as the name in japanese was mainly for young boys or like like mm-hmm. teenage like teenage preteen that kind of age like 10 to 18 yeah, yeah. let's say uh but i think that over time the target demographic has sort of expanded to let's say age 10 onwards mm-hmm. where they have very clearly accepted that a lot of the audience are also going to be adults and But if if do you not think that like cultural dumb things down do you not like, think that cultural shift has happened even in western media where you have um you have a lot of cartoons that are targeted towards kids but then there are others which are targeted towards later teens and adults as well um no i think i think that, that the dif- there's a big difference in the, the way that the western treated is that they've created cartoons for kids and they've created cartoons for okay. adults rather than shows that are able to have like to to sort of like meet both uh, mm. audiences okay i think that the newer uh, range of like uh, anime like say De- demon slayer demon slayer. Slayer. Demon, demon slayer and and those kind of shows yeah. very clearly understand that probably the youngest uh, audience members are going to be 10 and they're going to have people in their 40s and 50s also watching the show and want to make sure that everyone can enjoy it in a certain way like not to keep things dumb not to like replay tropes mm. which might be new to a first time watcher but might get really boring for someone who's been watching this for the last like these type of shows right. for the last 15 years so but then in american media just because they're the other massive producer mm-hmm. of content we see cartoons for kids that deal with your typical 
coming of age mm. uh school issues or like school situations and like you know yeah, like yeah. the sort of things that a kid or a teenager would be into but aren't particularly interesting to an adult mm. uh let's say like some of say I, I, i don't know let's say like dexter's lab or uh pop of girls kind of was it's just it's kind of amusing even as yeah. an adult uh where a lot of the newer cartoons uh, don't really have that uh, energy and then there's the adult adult cartoons uh, yeah. targeted cartoons that like rick and morty is just genuinely not really appropriate for kids yeah. to watch cuz i mean one is they probably won't understand a lot of the humor like i i don't mean that i yeah, don't mean exactly. that in a way when rick and morty is like super complex or anything it's just a lot of the references will definitely fly above a kid's head <laughs> yeah like uh, like to them it would just look like like a drunk yeah. uncle and a weird kid like it doesn't it's, seem it's not yeah. going you're not going to get anything more than that yeah. out of it where they might have other like cultural uh, uh references or like just things that you might need to have experienced certain types of characters to mm-hmm. understand what they are talking about like it's not like you're not playing into the 300 IQ needed to be to Yeah to it's just like Rick and Morty but you do like, kind of need to be an yeah, adult it's just or like you need to have some Yeah it's not meant for yeah, yeah, kids definitely like, not Uh yeah actually that that's that's pretty interesting Huh I mean but I mean coming back to the entire thing of how YouTube has influenced modern programming I honestly mm-hmm. I fail to see how modern cartoons can really keep up with uh YouTube though just both in terms of hours that you know the kind of hours of content that YouTube generates versus more traditional cartoons and more traditional methods of viewing as well as the fact that while while we have brought up things like Elsa Gate there are still a ton of very very educational and very entertaining youtubers who are, who are meant for kids and you know sometimes those channels are just genuinely better than watching anything on tv so how do you how do you yeah. cross that gap you know i think it's interesting because that that kind of thing never existed when we were younger like i think as we brought up before we kind of grew alongside the internet So by the time we were weaned off cartoons we were already into like more mature shows and so and so on. But but that kind of like growing up alongside the internet weaning off of certain things and all it, it doesn't happen as easily now because you're kind of born into the net. You're kind of born consuming content and so like your your world view of things is just completely different. And yeah, I don't know, I think it's it's very interesting to like think about cuz i i mean maybe it's it's in the ballpark for the the streaming giants like say netflix or disney to really uh, figure out because then they have the resources they have the capability they have the sure. ips as well right and like exactly but the like, like as we mentioned before like the quality of those new shows haven't been great but they do have the capabilities like perhaps it's perhaps it's just like getting back in touch with what like cartoons are meant to do mm. for children Maybe. like what what is the role of a cartoon like is it just to keep keep kids uh, distracted and entertained or is there a bit more artistic expression and emotion and like uh depth that can be brought 
and should be brought into them because like there is a sort of a, a certain amount of responsibility yeah. that i think we should be putting on the people who make uh, media I, like either through choice of just like really uh being intentional about the mm-hmm. shows that the kids watch or whatever other means right but just like like knowing that a lot of this is like very low quality yeah. content and that uh like you're not really doing anyone any favors by having your kid like consume yeah. this all day every day i i think i think we should hold cartoons to the same standard that we hold tv shows that we as adults watch like there there was there's a reason why some of marvel's best tv shows are like more adult themed like daredevil punisher kind of shows because they they put a lot of effort into making those characters very very human you know like a lot of a lot of effort was given into making those characters human ha- making them have relationships with people around them how those relationships affect the world they live in and so on like even the even the main avengers movie like the very first one like the the focus on action didn't come until the third half until then it was literally just building the kind of group dynamic did you say third half oh sorry yeah the final third of the movie uh <laughs> sorry <laughs> um but, but 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 so like in the first avengers the third half the the, thir- the final third of the movie i said it again but the final third of the movie is where the action really picks up until that final third it's all about you know the group dynamics having them fight each other having them quibble having them like find out problems and then it, like once once like the threat becomes explicit they're like okay we have to put all these aside and like actually come together as a team and that's where you see like a lot of a lot of the entertainment is from those from those um, group dynamics turning into the action um and 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 so like we we have very high critical standards even for things like marvel movies which are which are what you know um, a, a theorist like adorno would call um you know consumer like it's it's a consumer fueled media like it's pop media basically yeah. it's like it's like modern pop music or something it's it's just meant to be very easily digestible there's not a lot of depth to it but we have a lot of critical depth when we analyze whether these movies are good or not like there's a reason and i think also like the sony uh, sony's like superhero media <laughs> productions have also shown that the audiences aren't just going to gobble Anything. up any yeah, yeah, yeah. superhero marvel movie because every time that they've attempted to make a movie in the last few years it has been an abysmal flop yeah yeah uh, we've seen morbius we've seen the amazing spider-man hey, trilogy we've morbius, seen a few other movies okay, that have okay. come from them i think was the venom venom was uh, venom like, was i think venom was an outlier for sony because a lot of people me included really enjoyed the first venom movie even though like by all critical standards but they made like 3 no 2 2 2 3 but right? like the the do, both that both but, venom movies okay let's let no 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 but like let's stick with morbius uh, <laughs> like just as an example of like a movie that yeah at a time when people are still like very into superhero movies in general uh like the disney marvel movies are doing very yeah. well every time that they come out uh sony takes one movie uh, what character morbius and decides to make a movie out of it and it's it does awfully in th- in theaters becomes a meme of how awful I it is oh did you hear like uh, they brought it back into theaters because of the meme 
and it yeah. flopped even harder yeah. and it still <laughs> it flopped even harder the second time but the meme is so strong that they've green lit a second morbius movie they've green lit a sequel yeah. just because of the meme they, they tried they tried uh, no but like 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 i was talking about um, tv shows like daredevil and so on and you know you bring up things like moon knight while all of these are catered towards adults you know we have a very we have a very strong critical understanding of what is good media what is bad media when it comes to targeting adults regardless of whether it's a superhero show or anything else you know we we have a pretty solid critical yeah. understanding of that and i think a very similar framework can go into understanding cartoons but it's it's just a bit more difficult and so the thing is like we we do i i feel like like globally we understand that a lot of like cartoons are awful like it's not it's not a rare belief to like like the things that we're yeah. talking about but it's just that we, like adults aren't as actively doing anything about it because they aren't the target consumers of that media so they're just like eh, it's for the it's just for kids like like we probably just like too old for it or something like that but like when there are movies that are sort of like targeted at uh, everybody or like kids primarily mm-hmm. but also for adults like let's say there was the animated spider-man movie yeah, yeah. Like, oh uh, spider-verse like, those were genuinely like artistically and storytelling and characters and everything they were really really and good and i think we can honestly bring up the... marvel movies as well as movies that are targeted towards everyone like Yeah 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 for it sure is. for sure like i think that i feel like it goes without saying but i i, I just like yeah, yeah. those that animated movies uh, i think really oh, yeah, stood yeah, out sure. as uh because like to be fair like the the like your avengers type or like thor type uh, marvel movies are all about adults so i feel like even if uh, a teenager would enjoy it it's sort of like not as uh you don't get as emotionally invested in it mm-hmm. but i i felt like those that uh, like into the multiverse into the i think it was yes. spider-verse yeah. yeah uh that I, I, like i feel like that movie is something that a teenager would really strongly connect with the yeah. main character with mm-hmm. and like because of the fact that like and it was done very intentional because of this existence of the spider-verse now it, like it's canon that there multiple are Spider-Man. multiple spiders across multiple parallel universes and then it would give kids that sort of like imagination like what if i'm the spider-man in this this universe and i think it's I mean? it's also the fact that the into the spider-verse movie you know it had um, i mean as compared to the older spider-man movies and a lot of the spider-man media as well the the protagonist in the into the spider-verse movie was uh, an ethnic minority he was a black kid uh from like a yeah. or like i think half black half hispanic or something like that and like he was like something like that cultural and everything exactly. and, and like the... it gives so many more kids who have more of a voice now because of the internet it gives them another way to relate to struggles of growing up whereas traditionally spiderman had always been seen in like popular viewing as like a college student you know or a high school student kind of thing like very much very much something you can't relate to immediately as a child cuz you're you're just not at the age yet like you're 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 in like fifth grade watching someone enter university how do you relate to that right whereas this is like a kid who's transferred from middle school into high school 
So he might be the age of your elder brother. And so you can like relate, you can relate to the struggles a bit more. Um, and, and it's done in like this incredibly refreshing way. It does a lot of what the older cartoons did. You know, like dealing with loss, dealing with separation, dealing with all of that. Like the movie did. Yeah, yeah, same. But yeah, like like the, the, the Spider-Verse movie dealt with a lot of these things that we brought up when talking about The Lion King, you know? It, it, it dealt with very real emotions through the lens of a kid who's relatable in in like not the common understanding of the word but like in the sense of like there there is a there's a very clear worldview that is being represented through the eyes of miles morales um that's just a lot more widely accessible to a larger demographic of children like whether they are uh, multicultural or not whether they belong to a certain ethnicity or not. Like, there's there's definitely more ways that they can relate to this character than any previous incarnation of Spider-Man. And all while it's still a really funny movie, like, the, the humor is still, like, kids get the jokes, but it's not like the, the jokes are dumbed down for the kids. Like, they're, they're just as funny. Exactly. There's also, like, a, a very similar, like, to Light King, there's, like, a very gritty sort of... Yeah. relationship between uh, the male character and his yeah. uncle oh yeah and and incredibly like, I, impactful I, I found that a fascinating like uh, thing because the uncle also uh, ends up being on the enemy yeah, side yeah he's a villain and then like them having to yeah, and, exactly. and like it's it's like the movie was incredibly complex while not being over the while not being overly into itself for kids and while not being too dumb for adults like it manages this incredible fine line and i i don't know like i think you're right like inter spider-verse genuinely was a throwback to some of those older cartoons and yeah and which is why like i like i brought it mm. up because it's not like we've forgotten uh or like how to criticize or like how to appreciate movies and media that do it yeah. well it's just sort of the fact that we aren't picky enough about like filtering out the media that we aren't completely happy yeah. with, uh, especially when it goes. For and kids. I think as adults, we uh, have the power. Mainly, of, we have the power of like discerning things a lot easier than when you're kids. Because like as a kid, yeah, I exactly. I, I mean, I mean, even at, even when it comes to video games, as a kid, I would play the most tedious video games, and still go through them. But now it's like. I can't spend more than two hours unless the game like really has something special. And also, like to be fair, I would watch almost anything that came on those four or five channels on TV yeah. that I was uh, basically allowed to watch. I wasn't very picky and, either. Yeah. And it, it just so happened that during the times, like you know, the four PM to seven PM, sort <laughs> yeah, of time, like those are the best ones. Kids are most likely to watch. That's when they show the the most popular shows that everyone wanted to watch so we ended up watching like the good yeah. stuff in uh, like uh, somewhere or the other right like it's like after 10 p.m is where they show the absolute trash and that's when like most of us wouldn't yeah, be awake to watch yeah. and uh the problem again like uh, just restating what we mentioned earlier is that when media is available at all times and not uh, manually curated like maybe there are like some sort of like really good playlists on youtube or something of uh high quality kids uh, content like, and stuff yeah it, it, like yeah, yeah yeah like 
independent studios, cartoons and like media and cart- things for meant for children and teenagers. uh that is age appropriate mm-hmm. that is interesting that pokes at your brain to think in in the in the right ways a uh, lot of it isn't like but that, like yeah. yeah yeah exactly and that i don't know that just kind of makes me a bit sad that there was like this golden age of programming almost and there's nothing really that replaces it today which it, it, it's a bit sad for kids nowadays i think It is. And on that bit of a bummer, uh I think you know, that's that's kind of the end of this episode. So, thank you for listening to Dumb Dive. Um let us know if get your kids to hit the subscribe button. Yeah, yeah. We promise not to be a YouTube kids channel. <laughs> we'll turn down the expletives. <laughs> uh yeah, uh no promises on that, but hey, I mean um but yeah thanks for listening to this episode of dumb dive i'm pranav i'm arvid Yeah, can you hear me? Okay. I I just like I'm I've just kept recording so we can just cut out what happened in the middle.